So, faith and works. Works and faith. Faith or works. Works or faith. I don't know about you, but there are certain passages of Scripture that continually give me fits. And this is one of them. This is one of those passages of Scripture that every time I read it, I get a little confused. And I get a little confused because what this passage of Scripture appears to be doing to me is contradicting what Paul states when he says things like, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Or, a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And yet, in this passage by James, it seems we have him saying the absolute opposite. So what exactly is James trying to say to us? in these passages. I mean, are we saved by faith alone? Or are we saved by works? I think that the more important question to ask is can one exist without the other? Is it possible for me to claim that I have faith if my actions don't show it? Does our faith require works? According to James, it does. In fact, he is so adamant about it that he repeats the thought four times throughout this brief collection of verses. Four times he talks about how faith without works is dead. Four times he talks about how important works coupled with faith are. In order to discover what James is actually saying here, I think it would help us if we took a bit of a journey through the Scriptures. So strap yourselves in this morning because we're going to move through some of these Scriptures pretty quickly. As we begin to examine what I think James is trying to say here. In answer to a question that he was asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus ties our love for God with our love for others. This is a passage of Scripture we should be all familiar with. What is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great 
and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You see, for Jesus, loving God is forever tied with loving people. And that love is shown through actions. The way we treat those people who we come in contact with. The way we are with them. Now Jesus outlines what these actions look like. At the very beginning of his ministry, when he reads from the Isaiah scroll in the tabernacle. And he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All of those things are actions, works. They're acts of freedom, acts of healing, acts of justice. These are the things that are to mark God's kingdom and the people that claim to dwell within it. These, I believe, are the actions that James is talking about. The works that James describes are not a means to gain our salvation or a means to improve our standing with God. Rather, they are actions that come from a heart that has been deeply impacted and transformed by an encounter with the love of God. James is reminding us that true faith acts on behalf of those in need. I mean, if all we do when faced with the need of another is say, good luck. I hope you find what you need. I'll pray for you. And then do nothing to help. Then according to James, our faith is a dead useless thing. Now those are some pretty harsh words. I've often shared, I'm going a little off track here, I've often shared before about the impact that love has in people's lives. And I've said it time and time again that I don't change or act or do things in order to be loved. I am loved, and that changes me. And that change then brings about actions and works that are conducive with that change. I've mentioned it before, this idea that when Jen and I got married, and when I asked Jen to marry me, she did not slap a book down filled with rules and tell me 
that I had to read it and memorize it and agree with everything in it in order for her to love me. That she loved me as I was in that moment. And the reality of that and the ongoing reality of that in my life has changed how I see myself. And in changing how I see myself, it has changed how I act and how I behave and the things that I do and the things that I say and how I treat myself and how I treat others. Last week, Monica shared from Matthew 25, but that passage of Scripture bears repeating today. Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You did it to one of the least of these. You did it to me. There is something about experiencing the presence of God in these actions towards other people that you cannot experience in any other way. In Mike Mason's book, Practicing the Presence of People, he says it this way, it is impossible to claim to love God and to not love the people that God loves. It is impossible to claim to love God and not love the people that God loves. In this passage of Scripture in Matthew 25, Jesus again isn't saying that it is our actions toward others that save us. What he is saying is that if our hearts have truly been transformed by the love of God, we will demonstrate that by being compassionate, welcoming, loving, and generous to everyone who comes across our path. As followers of Jesus, we are to demonstrate his character and his kingdom in the way we relate to and treat those around us. If we acknowledge that God has been good and generous to us, then how can we be anything but good and generous to others. 
all through Scripture, God demonstrates that real faith has actually very little to do with the rituals and the rules that we surround ourselves with. And let's be honest, as a church, man, we love our rituals. We love our traditions. We love our rules. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. But what I am saying is that your faith has actually very little to do with those things. Instead, God affirms that our faith is best displayed in our actions and in our works. The book of Isaiah begins with this admonition. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's case. And the prophet Micah states this. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus, James, Isaiah, Micah, and others throughout the Bible remind us that true faith works. That true faith loves people, that true faith acts justly, that true faith acts compassionately, that true faith acts in love. As James once again so aptly put it, faith with no demonstrable works, is no real faith at all. It's a dead thing, good only for the garbage heap. Jesus states it this way, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And in Galatians, Paul is very clear about outlining those fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. These spiritual fruits are not just concepts that you believe in or ideas that you agree with. They are actions that you do. They are works lived out in the everyday moments of your lives. These fruits are only made real in the works that we do for others. It is only when we act with self-control or with gentleness or faithfulness or goodness, kindness, patience, peace, joy, or love. It is only when we act in these things that we will be able to claim that our faith is truly alive. Quite simply, our words and our proclamations, our assertions, our agreements are not enough. If our actions don't match those of the person that we claim as Lord and Savior, then our faith is no faith at all. It is dead and without purpose or meaning. I've said it before and I'll say it again that if my faith does not impact the practical, everyday actions of my life, then what's the point of it? If all my faith is about is trying to get to heaven, then what's the point of it? If it doesn't impact this world, then what's the point? We have made too much about making faith an avenue of escape. This world sucks. Oh, that's okay. When you die, you'll get to go to a better one. Yay. Instead of, yeah, this world sucks. There's darkness, blackness, and evil. There's all kinds of things going on in this world. How can my faith help to make this world better. How is my faith driving me to engage in this world rather than trying to escape from it? In one of Jesus' final statements to his disciples, he says these words, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I'm going to tell my age here, maybe a little bit. In 1990, a rock band called Extreme. Anybody know this band? I might be, you know, 
Maybe I grew up with this band and other people didn't. Yeah. They released a song, and the song title was called More Than Words, and it contains the following lyrics, and I just want us to hear, I'm not singing it. I just want us to hear these lyrics. Saying I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I want you not to say it, but if you only knew how easy it would be to show me how you feel. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you wouldn't have to say that you love me, because I'd already know. These lyrics, I think, beautifully embody what James means when he states that faith without works is dead and that we show our faith by our works. If we're acting in love, then people will know that they are loved. And when people know that they are loved, they're drawn to it, and they change, and they grow. And they become everything that love intended them to be. Our faith only comes alive when we live it in every moment of every day. And people will only experience a living faith when our actions toward them put love on display. They will know you are my disciples by your love. This, in the end, answers the question that I had about what is James trying to get at here. Our faith must actually move our hands, our feet, our minds, and our bodies to demonstrate the character and kingdom of God. We serve the poor. We fight oppression. We feed the hungry. We invite people into our homes. We encourage and support one another and we love our neighbors. This is true faith. This is a faith that works. This is a faith that is alive. Let's pray. God, once again, I come before you just so grateful for the love you have for each of us. My prayer, as always, is that love would become so real in our lives, that love would become so real in our hearts that it would begin to change us and we would become, begin to become everything that love created us to be. And our actions would show that we know that not only are we loved, but that everybody we come in contact with is loved as well. In Jesus' name, amen.